It's the next level. Warning. The following podcast may contain spoilers. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome, Primers, into this issue 148 of the DC Primetime Podcast and the first of our summer series of episodes from the Next Level Network, uh, the spotlight here on the Next Level Podcast Network. I am Ben Beck. And from the Caffeine Crew cast of pods, I am Rob Martin. We are going to have a shorter episode for you this week, and I think we're actually safe to say that this time because we don't have four episodes to talk about as all of the shows are on break, but we're really excited uh, to bring you what we are bringing you this week, and that is we're going to be talking to you about our reviews of Batman versus Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and the pilot episode of DC Streaming Universe's Swamp Thing. And you and I haven't even spoken about this before recording. This is the first we're going to be talking about them to each other, too. Yeah, um, uh, you know, we we started talking right at the start of this, and we we're like, no, what's this not? Because um, <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be a short conversation, but it's gonna, I think it's going to be a very nice conversation. Yeah, so. I think it's it's pleasant that I think it's safe to say that we're going to be talking about something we both enjoyed, both of them. Uh, you could say that. You could definitely say that. <laughs> uh, but let's start as we usually do. Anytime we review a movie or we review a pilot, we're going to give them uh, a ranking just like we give anything else. Uh, that being a sidekick, hero, or legend. And do we want to throw a number grade on these ones too so we can be a little more specific? Or do we just. Yeah, wanna... I, think, I think so, especially for these two. Um, because I think um, going into a new series. It's not a bad idea to give people our, our thoughts on where it really falls into its ranking. So Okay. Uh, so in that case, we'll give it our sidekick, hero, or legend. But we're going to be a little bit more specific with our rankings. And we'll go 1 through 3, which is sidekick. 4 through 7, which is hero. Or 8 through 10, which is uh, uh, legend. So let us start with – which one do you want to start with? Do you want to start with Swamp Thing? Or do... Swamp Thing. Let's do Swamp Thing. First. Okay. Uh, we'll start with Swamp Thing first then. Uh, this is episode one of its first season, the series premiere. What do you give this one on our uh, our rankings? Uh, you know what? I Really, really easy to score for this one. This is getting a legend. Um, I'm, I'm going to actually all on top of that for my actual score. I think I'm going to give this a 9.5. Um, yeah. This is a horror show through and through and through, and do they deliver? I, I'm really, really blown away with uh, the look, the design. The CG never comes across looking cheesy at all, and there's a lot of it. And uh, I, I was pleasantly surprised, even from hearing reviews that the first episode was painfully slow. I think it did all the right setup in all the right way, and they they got me uh, they got me hooked quickly. So. 
Uh, I'm right there with you, and this is one of the this is one of the hardest parts about giving my review second is I feel like I'm just going to repeat everything you said, <laughs> and uh, that's okay when it comes to something like this. I am a legend as well. I'm giving it a nine, uh, and because I feel like there were a couple horror tropes that they they kind of delivered on that you know everybody seems to deliver on when it comes to horror especially when it comes to things with water and we'll, we'll get more into it but it did not take away from the episode at all i'm a horror fan through and through so i actually love those tropes i just wish they might have gotten away from them or done something a little bit different with them but i agree with everything else you said there was a lot of cgi that didn't feel like cgi at all a lot of tense moments that you you expect from horror films or horror television series and yeah legend nine from me and i can't wait to see where this series is gonna go absolutely yeah. uh ranking then of batman versus teenage mutant ninja turtles same thing sidekick hero or legend one through ten what do you give it uh a legend and it's getting a bossa nova out of a possible ten <laughs> uh <laughs> I, I'm, I'm going to give this an 11. This is uh, this fall suit right next to Batman Brave and the Bold. I did not think this was going to be all that great. I was horribly mistaken, and I loved every second of this. I had a big, stupid grin on my face from start to finish of this. It was wonderful. It's a perfect 10 for me as well. Yeah. This is This has become, after only one viewing, my favorite of the DC animated films. Uh, yeah, I, I think it actually beats Batman Brave and the Bold beats Scooby-Doo. Yeah. I, that, granted, that one's really up there for me. But this one edges out just a little bit because I got a lot of nostalgia for TMNT. Yes. And that... you, but you know what, though? they It felt like every iteration of those characters, but more specifically, it felt like the 19, uh, 1990 uh, version of those characters from the big screen. Oh, there were, were references from the 1990 film, and that's... There were, and it, they, they really did a great job of playing homage to that, but also the classic cartoon, even the newer stuff, and I think they did a really good job, and uh, there was a little piece early on that made me smile, and I'm wondering if you caught it, too. So, uh, well, we'll find out when we talk about it. Yeah. Uh, but let's not go too deep into it. We'll go into that when we go into the actual breakdown, but let's jump back and do the... Uh, the actual breakdown of Swamp Thing, Episode 1, Season 1, the pilot. Uh, and let's just talk a little bit more about it. I, I, again, I think these are going to be relatively shorter conversations. Uh, I think we might be lucky if we break like 30, 40 minutes for this podcast. But that's okay. Yeah. Uh, you know, these summer ones are okay if they're a little shorter. But, you know, as we mentioned, this is a series that the writers and the producers have said they're going straight up horror for this and i like you was one of those people that I, I, you know as being a horror fan was wondering okay how are they going to deliver on a horror when it comes to swamp thing because i i never really saw swamp thing as horror um you know i know the original television series back from what the early 90s or mid 90s i think was attempting that and i know some of the films attempted that as well this television series in at least in the pilot stuck the landing oh my god it, this if they've been trying to get this character like kind of perfect and just right for a long time it feels like they finally hit it um and i in addition to that though too it's it's crazy because this version of the character like everybody i think was kind of curious on where they were going to fall this was going to be like the len ween kind of run on swamp thing but from you know like going back quite a while or if this was going to be a little bit more tied to alan moore and i think they kind of 
did a beautiful job of blending the two. And holy crap, if you have a problem with body horror, this show is not for you. No, not at all. Um, <laughs> uh, all I can say, there, there's a beautiful sequence that's, that feels like it was pulled out of like an alternate sequence from the movie The Thing that happens in the morgue in this episode. And it is creepy and twisted and wonderful to watch. And it was really, really impressive. Yeah, I mean, just the same way that, you know, Titans and Doom Patrol, as we say, are not shows for kids, mainly because of the language. I don't remember, I I don't believe I remember there being much language in this episode, but the whole... Yeah, there there was, there was, I think, actually, come to think of it, I don't think there was any. I, I don't think so either. I'm sure there probably will be later, but, you know... I would still say, again, this is a series not for kids, purely for the horror aspect. The the horror aspects that we got, you know, in the tension and the gruesomeness and things like that that we got out of this episode, I've been very disappointed in horror films as of late because even some horror films don't deliver on that. This show in one episode delivered on that more than some movies have lately. Yeah, that's that's 100 percent true. And I will see this, too, from watching this very first episode. You know, they do a great job of feeling like they play up to that classic, even Swamp Thing movie that, you know, from way back when, which we reviewed on this podcast, what it was me and Paul. Mm -hmm. So go back and check that out. Uh, But when you meet Abby Arcane, she feels like she is the right character for for this is kind of our, our lead. It's well casted. Uh, I can't remember the actress's name. Crystal Reed. Me. Crystal Reed. Yes. Uh, she is actually another alum from Team Wolf. Um, so same as Tyler Hawkland. So it, like I said, um, she was those... she was also uh, she's also another DC alum, too. She was Sophia Falcone in Gotham. She was. She was. So, yeah, she, it's again, uh, it, it's. She was a great choice here. Uh, you know, I think I, I was very familiar with her definitely from Team Wolf. Uh, she was, I think, in the first two or three seasons. Um, and she was exceptional in that show. And I, I think when I saw her pop up here, I'm like, oh, no crap, it's her. I was like, that's pretty damn awesome. And she did a great job of, of kind of becoming our lead uh, and our, our eyes through the show. And I think it's going to work incredibly well because the way that they kind of frame that with her. Um, and then we get to Alec Holland and uh, the casting choice for Alec Holland, too. Also incredibly excellent. He was really charismatic. He played the scenes just right where you kind of get connected to his character, knowing that he's going to be pulled away from you very soon, uh, and which which worked really, really well, especially if you know the traditional you know character lore and origin story for, for Swamp Thing. And I think they did a really good job of putting all those pieces together because, you know, everybody said, hey, you know, we're, we're going to. We don't get a lot of Swamp Thing in the first episode, I, but and a lot of people said, hey, it's slow, it's slow. I don't know what show they're watching. Yes, you don't get Swamp Thing until the very end, but I mean, if I got Swamp Thing in the very beginning, I'm like, well, what was the purpose of, this, of the pilot? For people that don't know this character, don't know this character's history, how he becomes who he becomes, because you have to care about Alan Collins, and I think they really achieved that before the end of the episode. Yeah, I agree with you completely. And, you know, on top, you know, talking more about the casting of the of the episode, I think the casting and a lot of different elements were phenomenal. I mean, uh, I think I agree with you completely. Crystal Reed was great as Abby Arcane. Andy Bean as Alec Holland is fantastic. And I think Alec Holland is the same. It, it tends to be the version of Swamp Thing that a lot of the TV series and movies go through or go with. I know there are, uh, in the comic books there are multiple people that have been Swamp Thing, but it seems like anytime they do it on screen, they, they usually tend to go with Alec. 
Uh, I mean, Alec is Alec is traditionally the is Swamp Thing. I mean, he's essentially if you were to say you know Clark kind of Superman, Alec Holland is Swamp Thing. I mean, like there's okay. Anton there's Anton Arcane, there's the the Parliament of Trees stuff that happened where you have kind of t- kind of in a way multiple Swamp Things. Uh, you know, like but you know really it, it is either it is a mutated version of Alec Holland or a plant that thinks it's Alec Holland. It's kind of one of the two. Okay. So. All right, but yeah, but I mean, there's there's other casting that uh, some have that have not come into the series yet that I'm looking forward to. I was mentioning to you when we were prepping uh, an actor named Kevin Durant who's coming in. He's going to be in eight episodes of the series, which means he's either going to be in uh, he's either going to be premiere and debuting next episode or the third episode for the rest of the series. Uh, Kevin is one that I've actually had on the spotlight twice. Uh, he's an actor I've had on the spotlight twice, and he is a fantastic actor. He's a lot of fun. But he always plays these, like, soldier-like, like, dick, evil characters. And so mm-hmm. I- I'm I'm looking forward to seeing who he's going to portray in the series. Did they announce uh, who, who he's portraying? Uh, Jason Woodrow. Jason Woodrow. Uh, that rings a bell. I think it's a bad guy. Okay, yeah, because there's another character named Carolyn Woodrow too, which I think is, I think is the reporter, her reporter friend. Uh, or no, that was, or was that Liz? Um, I can't remember. Uh, no, oh, um, you know what, Jason Woodrow, and that's uh, the fluorotic man. Uh, so yes, um, yeah, bad guy. Oh, it's nice. A, okay, good. I'm I'm going to enjoy yeah. it. I love seeing him play the bad guy because he plays it really well. So I'm going to enjoy seeing how that plays out. Mm-hmm. Uh, but on top of that, you know, like watching uh, other than uh, Abby and Alec and Derek, Ma- Derek Mears playing Swamp Thing, I really wasn't familiar with any of the casting of the series. And I purpose, I did that on purpose. Um, and I knew Virginia Madsen was, was in the series as well. Uh, but another name that I was surprised to see pop up in the credits as I was watching the opening credits is Will Patton. Uh, a very familiar face. If you're not if you're not familiar with Will Patton, he was Bruce Willis's right hand man in Armageddon, uh, Mothman Prophecies. He's been in a ton of stuff. But yeah, he, um, he uh, gone in sixty seconds. That's right. <laughs> it was that, another another big one for him too. Yeah, exactly. And I love the fact that they kind of left his character a little open ended. That you don't know who his character is. I have a feeling he's probably going to be like the evil mayor kind of character of the city. Like he's um, in on whatever they're doing. Yes, yeah, uh, he's playing Avery, uh, Avery Sunderland. Yes. Um, so, yes, he, in the classic Alan Moore run, uh, he is pretty much, yes, he is, he is the evil philanthropist, quote-unquote. <laughs> so Okay, so I was spot um, on with that. Yes, and he's the one that ends up hiring, hiring Woodrow and all those people. Uh, basically, he's the, he, he's the reason why everything is going tits up. Okay, you know, I had he, a feeling. He's the one that pays to have Al Collin killed off in the comics, all this stuff. So, yeah, he's kind of ultimately pseudo our pseudo big bad. But uh, but yeah, no, I, I like I said, I didn't know they were bringing Woodrow in uh, because I forgot because uh, yeah, for the floronic man or the seed or whatever you want to call him. But uh, he's kind of gone through multiple things, plant master. Uh, but yeah, he's part of the parliament of trees. So the fact that they're doing that now that my brain's even more excited because that's <laughs> awesome. Uh, that's not even that's not a lie. That's that makes me incredibly, incredibly excited, which means they are following pretty much the 80s Alan Moore run for this series. So. And, the, and the, uh, the Floronic Man is another, if I remember correctly, we've seen him. Uh, was he ever in? I think he was in the Batman and Harley Quinn movie. 
He was. Okay. Uh, yes, uh, the Floronic Man was a yeah was one of the villains in, in, in Batman Harley Quinn, and we did see Swamp Thing show up at the very end of that, uh, jokingly, and then just kind of disappeared. Where Harley was just kind of like, "You got to be kidding me! That was it." <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, so it's uh, it's it's pretty cool that we're going to see that mix in there. So yeah, so he's not just play. So Kevin Durant's not just playing a character; he's playing like an actual. Oh yeah, he's character similar to Swamp Thing. Yeah, he, he he's he's playing kind of like he is going to be one of the big bads that are going to be running through the mix. Right? Now, I, I wonder kind of cross paths with I wonder if it's something they're going to set up for the second season because they're not calling him the Floronic Man and he's not credited as that in on IMDb. He's simply Jason Woodrow. So I wonder if it's they're introducing the character this season to kind of be, let him become the Floronic Man for se- for season two. It's very possible. I, I mean, like, I'm very curious now how this is going to play off because they they can do a lot with this, knowing that we have like what, ten episodes give or take. Ten episodes, yeah, yeah, right, yeah. Cut so, down from thirteen, but I'm still really excited. Yeah, I mean, and that could again be too because with horror stuff, it has to be tight, has to be concise, has to be quick. Um, and if their their tail end was going to drag out a little bit, there there's no way that they're not going to. Uh, make sure that it, it it's it's very focused but i'm excited to see how that plays yeah i am too uh another character that we got introduced i know from dc comics uh you had questions about and we're only going to see her in two episodes and this was one of them uh madam xanadu was also yes. introduced into this yeah which was really cool to see her pop up in there uh oh ha, <laughs> i almost just remembered too uh, this is not the first time we've also seen uh, Jason Woodrow. We'll, we'll see Jason Woodrow for, live for the first time uh, in a, on the big screen. When else did we see him? Did we see him? Oh, he was played by one John Glover in Batman and Robin in the very beginning. Of oh that movie. God, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah, we tend to forget about that one. Yeah, I was just like, wait a second, I forgot about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we we're we're we're, we're going to forget that we remembered that one. We can I, only go up. <laughs> we we love John Glover, but not in that role. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we tend to let's let's go back to not remembering about that one. Let's go back to not remembering. Yeah. All right. So quick, let's grab our not remembering sticks. Some may call them hammers and uh, count the three. What are we talking about? I don't even. What are we talking about? You did it before me. Damn it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But I mean, you know, back to Swamp Thing. I I didn't I don't want to say I didn't go into this with high expectations because after Titans and then, you know, Doom Patrol surpassed Titans to me. uh, Doom Patrol has has become my favorite of any comic book adaptation television series that i've watched so far and that includes anything marvel like punisher and and you know luke cage and daredevil which are fantastic excuse me in their own right but i i have this feeling if they keep up with swamp thing the way they did with this pilot with the horror aspects and everything me being the horror buff that i am if they keep up with it and not only keep up with it but increase it and make it better and better every episode adding more and more horror elements along with the classic nods to something that we know this may surpass doom patrol and i hate saying that because i love doom patrol so much but i I think it's they're they're two dramatically different shows they are no question about it i mean i i think really one of the things they should have done though is given it a week or two buffer between between the two shows because it's great that you can transition into something brand new. I think because Doom Patrol ended on such a high high, um, I, I think mentally people maybe need a quick break before diving into Swamp Thing. So. I kind of didn't, though. 
I was okay diving into okay. something. Uh, only because, like, all the other shows were on break, so I was okay going from a one-episode series to another one-episode series. Or a, a one episode of a series to another one episode of a series. Rather than watching four shows and then Swamp Thing, I, because of all the other shows ending two weeks ago, I was actually okay jumping right into another okay. one. And, yeah. and I feel like DC didn't want to give people a break because in that break, people could forget about DC. Yeah, if you know what I mean. They could kind of forget that DC streaming universe is there. They want to be continuous with the stuff that they put out. They want to live up to a promise that they're putting out something new every week. So I can see why they jumped right into Swamp Thing. No, I agree. I agree. I I, I do see your point on that. Absolutely. Um, All right. Let's talk about the morgue scene because that was one of the best horror sequence shots I've seen. Well, (laughs) before we even go into that, let's just start with the opening of the episode with those guys in the boat in the swamp. Oh, yeah. yeah. Because that, too, was, you know, almost just as intense of a horror kind of scene to begin with. I mean, we see the one guy, the token black guy in in the scene, sorry to say, you know, get impaled by you know, branches coming up through the boat and, you know, wrapping around the boat like that itself, that opening scene was that got me hooked right away. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm right there with you. Where I was kind of kind of kind of shocked um, that they went in as as big and as intense as they did in the first few minutes of this. And I'm like, well, I'm in. Yeah, <laughs> so, yep. yeah. And that's kind of that's kind of exactly what I said out loud if them researched correctly, too. Where, because I hear that, or I looked at my wife, I was like, "Holy shit!" And she had she, she had no interest in the show at all, and I think she still it's not probably her cup of tea. Uh, but I will say for me, yeah, no, that that scene right alone, I'm like, I am totally totally in this. But I also realized in that moment too, and by the end of the first episode, this is a show I'm going to binge watch. I'm going to watch it into the five episode chunks while we talk about it because I want this to definitely be fresh in my head. But I also want to watch this kind of because it feels like that mystery. Watching that mystery is going to be fun to unfold for Abby. So, so are so are are you giving this the Titans treatment or the Doom Patrol treatment? Titans treatment. Okay, so you're going to hold off until all ten episodes have aired and then watch it. And I think yeah, I, I, think I think that, think that so. might be a better bet with this series too. Uh, you know, Doom Patrol was something that was just so much fun that we. It was one of those ones that grabbed us in a way that we were like, okay, well, I have to see what they're going to do next, and. You know, then, yeah, I think you're right. With this one, it's it's to to binge watch it in chunks of episodes makes it feel like more like a horror movie. And that's kind of my reasoning of why is I want a, I want a kick ass 10 hour long horror movie. And that's really what it boils down to. Yeah. I mean, even Doom Patrol. I mean, I hate going back to it because we're talking about Swamp Thing. But, you know, in the penultimate episode or two episodes ago, rather. Uh, you know, they did something that I was like, holy shit, I can't believe they're actually doing this right now. I'm in shock, but I'm hysterical. And that was the flex mentalo get to the white space element. Well, then they, 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 and then they, and then they topped it. They they topped it in the finale. (laughs) Exactly. Which I was like, um, okay. When I thought they couldn't do anything bigger, they top it in the finale. So yeah, I'm looking forward to going back. And that was that particular reason is why when it came to doom patrol we had to watch every week because we wanted to see what they were going to do next but that's also a series it's going to be a lot of fun when we go back and rewatch uh to talk about but yeah i think you're right i think swamp thing's one of those ones that i kind of have to binge as well like i liked the pilot it was enough to get me hooked now i'm gonna wait the, the additional nine weeks to to just watch it all yeah and i think you know what that's it's the right call for a show like this 
but yeah, yeah, I, I was I was thoroughly, thoroughly blown away. So, uh, but the, you wanted to talk about the morgue scene. Yeah, uh, man, <laughs> it's, it's all I can think of. Honestly, again, is <laughs> is just the movie, the thing. Like the moment that you see that guy's head fall off in the thing, and then all of a sudden, it kind of like you see the the spider legs kind of come out, and it becomes this creature. Uh, as they're as they're experimenting on the first body that they find that's basically been fully ravaged by the plants, uh, we get this gorgeous. I mean, and I just mean gorgeous sequence where you see the body perk itself up in the morgue, uh, being fully controlled by the plants, starts splitting apart, and essentially it's it's a torso that's still kind of mentally behind what the plants are doing, trying to see its daughter as it's destroyed and ravaged. And man, it was one of the creepiest things I've seen in a long time on screen. And it was executed flawlessly. The amount of CG that they had to pump into that scene, I can't imagine was cheap. Man, they did not hold back. They were not afraid to make this show look and feel exactly the way it's supposed to. And that scene alone, I think, kind of gets the top awards out of this week for just what what the show is willing to do. And makes me kind of cringe knowing that Oh God! It could get so much more intense than this, uh, but it may, that makes me so excited because the fact that they may go even bigger than this. Yeah. Uh, but what a what a great sequence to like again. You talk about that boat sequence in the beginning. If that one didn't hook you, this one absolutely would have had to have because it was incredibly impressive and just stunning to watch. I kind of feel like we need to, just in talking about this, I kind of feel like we have to rearrange our summer schedule a little bit. Uh, and I feel like we have to push the Primer Awards until after we talk about Swamp Thing. I, th- I do too. I, I think this really, really deserves to be in the conversation. I do, yeah. And that's exactly why I think we need to, to kind of sw- switch things around a little bit. And we never said the schedule was set in stone anyway. So um, I, I think it's fine that we do that. But yeah, I think we, I think Swamp Thing, after just watching this pilot, needs to be included in, in the Primer Awards. Hey, you know what? Maybe it makes sense to be one of the very last things we do before the shows come back. Yeah, that, uh, may- that makes sense. And- I mean, granted, things won't be as fresh in our heads, but still, that's why we do things like the annuals where you can all get caught up and we can re-catch ourselves back up on things and such. So. Well, the primer awards are more for our listeners anyway. So, you know, right. they're the ones right. that are doing a majority of the voting. Absolutely. But, but yeah, I think it's safe to say we might have to push the primer awards to the end of the summer, which I'm fine with. I, yep. That gives us more time to, to work on them a little bit. Indeed. Uh, anything else about the series you want to talk about before we, we move on to Batman oh, guess, versus Teenage like, Mutant Turtles? All I got to say is that first look at, at Swamp Thing himself, man, it looks like he came right off the comic book page. And man, and Derek Mears is such a fantastic choice to play that part, too. I mean, somebody who, you know, has been, uh, you know, Jason Voorhees in Friday the 13th. He was the Predator, the Predator in um, the revamped Predators, I think that was like early 2010 uh, that came out. So he's used to playing these masked costumed villain type characters. And I, I can't wait to see what he's going to bring. To playing that character too because you're right he looked awesome yeah uh really thoroughly thoroughly blown away um we have a good friend i think we need to have on for our first episodes one through five and i think that's paul williams over from uh what lurks behind podcast zero because i guarantee he is just probably in awe of the show oh he loved it he's already posted online that he was really really happy with the way the pilot turned out yeah, but I, I'm, I'm i'm pretty sure we have to have him on oh, for yeah. our, our two-part review of the series because uh, I can't wait to hear him geek out because holy crap! <laughs> yeah, so I think I think that's a fair shot is to, to have him included in that. Yeah. So. Uh, so yeah, definitely. Uh, it's going to be our recommendation, I'm sure, probably for 
for us this week. But it, 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 just in case uh, you tune out before, uh, big recommendation this week definitely is Swamp Thing. Uh, and the other thing we're about to talk about. <laughs> Which is, let's just get right into it, is uh, Batman versus Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. It's the next iteration in the Warner Brothers DC animated films. And... You know, it's 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 given a PG thirteen rating, and rightfully so because oh my were... god, there's a lot of heads cut off. This. <laughs> I'm so, I remember wa- I'm watching it, and from the moment that Shredder puts a a star into like the head of one of the Foot Clan, I'm like, holy shit! Like this is an animated film, and they are flat out not pulling back when it comes to making them evil characters. Oh god, when they go into Arkham Asylum for the first time, I'm like, well. You see the head fall, and you're like, oh, there's the body behind it. It's not a guy just falling over. <laughs> so, yep. uh, And then I was just kind of like, yeah, I'm not going to recommend this for, for children whatsoever. <laughs> you want to, but you can't. Yeah, you really you, can't. You can't just for those scenes. I mean, and it's – I think that's okay. I mean, I love the fact that DC is – you know, that there's there have been tons of Batman – meets Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles comics out there, and the the end credits of this movie actually pay homage to that, which I thought was really cool. Um, let the kids have the Nickelodeon series and the Batman television series and the comic books. The adults can have this combination because we're more familiar with them anyway, and I'm sure it's a disappointment to some kids when they hear this movie exists and they can't watch it yet, but I'm okay with that. Yeah, hey, you know what? In all honesty... <laughs> It's fine because this really played up on the Eastman and Laird classic comic book version of the Turtles as characters, which I think they did a great job of. But again, as we mentioned, even in our earlier review, it really pays a lot of loves of every iteration of these characters, which was awesome. It was really, really awesome. Uh, yeah, God, I don't even know what to say. Damn, well, man, I, is... I, I want to start with one of the, and you, you're right when you said that they kind of pay homage to a lot of different iterations of the turtles. And one of the things that kind of threw me when I first started watching was I'm not as, I'm not familiar with the Nickelodeon, uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. So I don't know if maybe this is how they've, they always are on their series, but the, the look of the turtles kind of threw me. A little bit. I'm not a big fan of the Michael Bay Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I thought the second movie was definitely better than the first because it paid a lot more homage to the what we know from the original animated series. You know, with introducing Casey Jones, the Turtle Van, Bebop, Rocksteady, and things like that. Uh, but I still did. I still didn't like the look of the Michael Bay Turtles. Yeah, they look uh, weird. <laughs> I, I, so. I felt the same way, kind of about the cartoons. But the beauty of this film is that. Once we started getting into the movie, uh, you know, the interactions between all the characters, the the homages that they paid to all the original stuff, the look didn't bother me anymore. Like, I got past it very quickly. Well, I kind of, like I said, that was my first view because I tried to watch this uh, about a week ago when we were prepping to watch it. And I was like, you know what, I'll I'll, I'll check it out now. I was super tired. Uh, I kind of saw all the character designs and I was like, they look a little weird. Like... Uh, and it really it was everybody looks fine, but Donatello looks super messed up. <laughs> so and then I was just kind of like, you know what? I'm going to watch this when I have time to watch it. And I turned it off. Um, and then after this viewing, I loved their designs. I actually really did because I love how different they all were because it played into the classic comics where it was 
Raph always was kind of a little bit more bulky, and they kind of made him kind of more of the bruiser and the beater. Leo looks how we always kind of always kind of traditionally think of him. Same with Michelangelo, and then Donatello. They kind of gave him like a more kind of like you know lanky turtle character because of being kind of like you the know the tech guy. Yeah, and I'm like that's kind of cool that they kind of did that, gave them their own looks because they had all their own color schemes too for like not just their bandanas, but I mean like their actual like yo. Know, Skin tones and stuff again, really reminiscent of uh, going way back to uh, even uh, the original cartoon. They did that a little bit more, where we saw kind of a mix-up of some of the characters. So it was it was it was really nice to see them play with some of those angles and and make them each feel like their own character a lot more so than we've seen in a lot of other things. Yeah, so really, and, really very cool. And again, it was something like I said, I got over very quick. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, um, it threw me when I first saw it. And I'm pretty sure this is the current roster of voices for the Turtles that are currently on the Nickelodeon show. Because uh, I know Eric Bowser has, has been Leo for a little bit a little bit of time now. Uh, but I, I will say the, the voice, voice cast for the Turtles themselves were excellent. Really, really very pleasantly surprised. Uh, and, and another D- classic DC alum uh, playing Raphael, Darren Chris, a.k.a. the Music Meister. Uh, so Darren Chris from... Um, yeah. Uh, uh, Glee, and obviously, yeah, from the musical crossover. Well, I don't Coming think here. I don't think this is the run of uh, the Turtles because I'm looking at all of their IMDb's, and it looks like none of them have ever been the Turtles. Uh, Darren Chris played it in another film, uh, played Raphael in another Turtles film, like Turtles in Time. But um, uh, I know Eric Bowser has definitely been Leo in the past. Too, Kyle so. Kyle Mooney has never been uh, Michelangelo before. And no, I do know this is his first first go at that. And but. it looks like Baron Vaughn. Uh, let's see. Is no, he has never been Turtles before yeah. either. Right, because currently the current run, if memory serves correctly, is good old Rob Polson is Donatello nowadays. So okay. Yeah, so it looks like it looks like uh, Eric Bonza is might be the only one who has returned from a cast. Yeah, uh, Darren Chris hasn't done it before. Kyle Mooney's first time, and um, uh, Baron Vaughn's first time as well. So yeah, but okay. that's okay. Gotcha. I mean, yeah, but no, they 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 slipped into this role. But there was one person I was really excited to see come back and play a character again, which is Troy Baker. Troy Baker is Batman and Joker, wow. and the Joker because we did see him because we've heard. Troy Baker played Batman quite a few times in the past, but he's only ever done Joker one other time, if memory serves correctly, which was Batman Arkham Origins, uh, a video game that kind of doesn't get as much love because it's kind of outside of the traditional Rocksteady uh, Arkham series. But um, he did an exceptional Joker because he has so much of that classic Mark Hamill in him when he does that voice that you almost forget that it's not him. Uh, But man, I, I think Troy Baker, again, just rocked here. It was just an excellent, excellent, you know, casting choice to throw him into this mix. Uh, they all played off of each other wonderfully, and it was great to see, uh, you know, Batgirl into this one, too. We got her teased a couple of uh, movies ago, like, when they gave us a little quick glimpse of her, uh, and it was nice to see her show up in the Batgirl Burnside costume for the first time in an animated uh, piece, and it, it looked great in motion. I was really excited to see it here. Uh, Troy Baker is one of those voice artists, too, that, I mean, Anytime you, you mention, you know, Rob Paulson, uh, you know, Jim Cummings and Kevin and, uh, you know, and, and a lot, a ton of other voice actors, they're usually the one like when you see when you hear the voice and then you see the face, you're like, OK, I could see them making that voice. Troy Baker is one that always throws me because mm-hmm. when you see him, he has a, a, a much younger looking face. 
So I never imagined that voice coming out of that out of that person. Yeah, uh, you know, I don't know if that makes any sense. Oh no, no, he he definitely has one of those ones. You're like, huh? Yeah, <laughs> I did not expect that. Exactly, but I mean, yeah, you know, you mentioned playing Batman in the past. Uh, not only that, but Joel from The Last of Us. Like he has that deeper, grittier voice that you I, I don't think you'd ever expect to come out of a person looking like him. Right. No, but, that's 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 incredibly true. Yeah. But yeah, I, I really did love the fact that he got to return as, as Batman. I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I you know, um, I love Kevin Conroy, but Troy Baker's a, a close second to. Yeah. No, he does. comes to that voice. He did an excellent job here. Uh, all right. About the film. Uh, so where do you want to start? Well, I want to say. Uh, there's one thing that kind of it, it didn't throw me it just made me go huh every time i heard it and if they were paying nod to the original 1990s films with this they got it wrong um and that is tcri uh because in the films it's tgri the comic books it's tcri okay so maybe it's just the films that are different Yep, it's it's only Secret of the Use that decided for some odd reason to change it up. But yeah, it's always been TCRI in the comics and most animated adaptations. Okay. TGRI was a weird kind of like, huh, we're just going to change it. Or somebody looked at a comic book panel and thought the C looks like a G. Uh, but yeah, that's probably pretty much where it, what it boiled down to. But yeah, it's TCRI is, uh, is correct. Okay, so the movie's got it wrong, but this one got yep. it right. All right, <laughs> that makes sense. That, or that makes sense. Yeah, that was the only thing that, like, every time I saw it pop up, I'm like, no, it's TG. And, I mean, like, I loved the original animated series from, like, the 80s and 90s, but I, I still, when it comes to Turtles, I absolutely adore Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and Two Secret of the Use. Like, I just, but this movie is getting added to that list. Yeah, I will say, uh, out of all the Turtles movies that exist out there, this probably is now my second favorite, because I love the first movie. Um, this probably falls right under there now uh, with uh, Turtles 2 right after that at this point because Turtles 2, well, still a, it's a goofy, silly movie that they, they had, had a lot of studio issues that forced them to change a lot of things, but it's still fun. Well, it's not it's Turtles 3, so... It, well, that doesn't exist, <laughs> no, no, it it doesn't. I, I just love the fact, too, that just that just made me remember... Um, I'm sorry to break away from it too, but when uh, when Amel was doing a press junket for uh, the Michael Bay sequel that he played Casey Jones, uh, Adam, formerly of Next Level, and I got to interview him uh, on the red carpet, and Adam mentioned to him Turtles Three, and he's like, "I don't remember that movie." Like he purposely <laughs> avoided talking about Turtles. He he mentioned how much he loved One and Two, but when Adam was like, "What about three? He's like, "No, we don't talk about three. <laughs> so yeah. even even other people like Amel and them were like, "Nope, three doesn't exist." Yeah. Anyway, um, so I gotta say, let's maybe look at the pairings a little bit that we see. Like we see Batgirl and Donatello uh, a lot together in this, which is very they smart. Were, they were super fun, yeah. and I love the constant go go back and forth between the anti mutagen. No, 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 ooze. <laughs> I, I think um, I think my for, favorite pairing bef before you mention them uh, is Robin and Raphael. Robin and Raphael was really, really fun because Damien and Raph just worked so incredibly well. Uh, actually, that's not my favorite. That oh. was actually – it was Michelangelo and, and that, Alfred. Oh, and Alfred, yeah. <laughs> so um, – <laughs> When he also, gives him the skateboard at the end. Yeah. I loved it. 
Uh, it's just Alfred just kind of yelling at Michelangelo, taking a skateboard. Mike, you will not ride this in the manor ever again. <laughs> <laughs> Michelangelo um, had so many fantastic moments from uh, from this was, movie. He was so wonderful. Um, and it was just, I think it was Michelangelo's reaction when he gets into the Batcave for the first time. And you see him wearing one of the cows on top of the dinosaur. And he's like, I, uh, he's like, he's like, I am not coming down. I live here now. <laughs> <laughs> Just when, um, he, when he first gets the interaction of like when he arrives in Gotham and they get that far away shot from up in the sky and you just see him like drop to his back and be like, I love this city or whatever he says. Yeah. Like, or I love Gotham. Like it's God. It, it confirms why Michelangelo has always been my favorite of the turtles. Well, it was that great moment, though, I think because Michelangelo definitely had some of the top moments of this by far. Um, and it was just that sh- that wonderful sequence at the end where you have, uh, you know, <laughs> Raph on his, his motorcycle, Batgirl on hers. You have the Batmobile with Batman and Michelangelo inside of it. And then you have the party wagon with Donatello on the turret shooting the uh, the super greats uh, with, you know, <laughs> uh, just there's that whole sequence playing out. But it was just. You know, you see the Batmobile pretty much stopped. And ultimately, you know, it's just Michelangelo looking at Batman and Batman just looking back and says, Michelangelo, you can now hit all the buttons. Yes. <laughs> and then you get the next scene with with Damien. He's like, I always wanted to hit all the buttons. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, it was just it was just too good um, because I love the fact that they use kind of Damien as like a kicked puppy at a couple moments in yeah. this, essentially where the, he just let the turtles do whatever the hell he wanted and they're like what about me <laughs> so uh, but it worked well it, it worked really 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 well um, and you know what though one of the pieces I really want to applaud this though because it's a piece that we may forget to talk about but it's it fresh in my head the animation they they did some cool things here where everything went kind of all black and it was just a a streak of color in certain ways. Like you would just see the bandana of the turtles or like the yellow underneath Robin's cape or something like that. And they would do that a lot. And I really thought that was really cool. It had this excellent comic book style that had this indie comic book feel like how turtles initially started. And I thought that was a great way to highlight them. And I thought that was a really, it was a very tasteful way to do this crossover with that highlighted the characters, best pieces for each of them whether they were from DC or whether they were from uh, the Turtles universe. Yeah, I, I'm in complete agreement about the animation. I thought the animation was really sharp uh, and, and really crisp. And one of the other things that I really loved about the animation of this series, I love the color scheme that they went with with the, with the Batman costume. Yeah. Uh, the the classic really, blue and gray, man. I it, just, was, it, was, I, it was the right call for this movie. Yeah. It was, because you know what it was? It was having that yellow pop next to the turtles with their bandanas and such. It, it looked really good because, like, we get to see all these mutated versions of classic, you know, Batman villains in this, which they had, you could tell they had so much fun getting to do. Um, and I think it was just a really cool take to have, like, this really bombastic, super over the top. And when you get that over the top, that, that, that suit just fits in that universe so much better when you're going big. Uh, versus kind of the very muted black and gray, especially because, again, we have, you know, that purple and yellow Batgirl Burnside uh, costume, and it fits in so much nicer with with that that blue and gray. So, yeah, and I I loved really seeing that um, that color scheme for the Batman. And not only that, like not only did it pop better next to and make the other colors pop when it was next to that, but, you know, in a film that was really focusing on nostalgia when it came to the turtles. This was a great way to focus on the nostalgia of Batman as well. 
because yeah. that is a more classic costume when it comes to Batman. You could have gone with the all-black costume, and I think it still would have worked because lighter, brighter colors would have popped next to that costume as well. But I, I think going with this one was going with that costume color was a much better choice. Yeah, no, I agree. I really agree. Um, but yeah, man, I was I really love too that that one of the things that's probably one of the harder things and we've seen this problem in a lot of DC animated films, especially like the Constantine ones and uh, Justice League Dark. Um, where Batman's too much of the focus, I felt like the turtles did not get overshadowed by his by by Batman being in this, which was good to see. I was really worried this was going to be all Batman with a little bit of turtles. Feels like everybody got equal screen time. Really, really pleased and very happy with that. Yeah, I, I agree with that too. Uh, let's talk about some of the other cast of characters because there are a ton of other characters in this film. Uh, you know, in, in this animated film that I was actually really please seeing i don't know why this is like just how fresh my mind was going into this and how clean slate my mind going was going into this i was like i went into this film with batman and turtles in mind i knew we were going to see batman i knew we were going to see the turtles i i don't know why i was surprised to see shredder pop up because okay it's shredder like how would you how could you turtles and not do shredder and then I remember watching it. I'd be like, you know who would be it? when they're talking about Shredder's mysterious partner? My mind instantly goes, well, like, who could be better than Shredder's mysterious partner than Ra's al Ghul? And boom, that's who pops up as his mysterious partner is Ra's al Ghul. You have two factions of ninjas from both Batman and Turtles. What better than to pair, the, to pair them up? Oh, yeah, it was a perfect call. It was, it was super fun to see, you know, the foot alongside the League of Assassins. That was this. It's a perfect pairing. It's a perfect, perfect pairing. Yeah. But yeah, then we also have you know we we, we do have Baxter Stockman who actually was played played for laughs pretty well in quite a few scenes and I thought he was he was a fun inclusion because he was so dry. I, uh, I loved it, seeing Baxter pop up because he yeah. is a he is one of those classic characters from the original animated series. Right, and and he's continued to have such a high importance in most of the versions of the animated series as well. But I even like he's just like I've never been paid for this. Actually, you know what? I'm kind of a hostage <laughs> yeah. if I kind of think about it. Yeah. Um, but it's it's it was kind of fun to watch that kind of play. But uh, but then we we get a great roster though too of of classic uh, Batman villains. We get to see you know the Penguin. And one of the things I said there was a great Easter egg. So when the turtles first go up against the Penguin and his goons, oh, I think I the, know it. One of the Penguin's goons looks like Krang. the body of Krang. Yes. Yeah. and I'm like that was really cool. <laughs> yeah, that was a nice that was a nice little touch. Um, I'm glad I wasn't the only one that noticed yeah, that. Yeah, I thought that was a cool little touch. And but like I said, ultimately though, too, we get to see Harley Quinn again, played by the absolutely wonderful Tara Strong. Uh, again, Troy Baker uh, reprising uh, Joker again, which was great. But I love the fact that they they played with them of Joker becoming a snake and uh, Harley becoming you know uh, a hyena, which was perfect. Uh, but then again, we see you know Mr. Freeze in this as well, which was I believe John DiMaggio played Mr. Freeze. Uh, so Bender, uh, Tom Kenny, I think was in the mix as well in yep. there too. Uh, I think Tom Kenny played penguin. penguin, right? Yeah. That's what I thought. So SpongeBob. So like I said, it was great to see that as well. And then, uh, then again, we had a uh, scarecrow in the mix as well. Uh, so that was really, they got a chance to play with a lot and of Bane. Big... Oh yeah, that's right. I forgot. almost forgot that Bane was in the mix there too. Uh, but yeah, they, they got a chance to play with all these classic characters and villains and they got to just play. It was, it was them playing in a sandbox and, saying, no, it would be really cool if we did X. And it worked. All that worked incredibly, incredibly well. And it, it all highlighted the love for both franchises without being over the top, 
well, take that back. It was very over the top, but they also were trying to make it over the top. Uh, yeah, and, but it, it never played. It never played dumb. I'll put it that way. I think uh, it's pretty safe to say as well that we're going to get a sequel. To, I to we better. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, we better get a se- we better get a sequel. Uh, the way that this ends, and yeah. because it looks like we're getting our own particular version of a super shredder uh, for the sequel, and all I have to say is, they better get Kevin Nash to voice him. <laughs> well, no, I don't. No, he didn't. I don't think Kevin Nash voiced Super Shredder in the in Secret of the Years. Nah, he, he played him. The suit. He was just under the suit. Yeah. yeah, it'd be funny though if they got him to voice him. That would be pretty amusing. So, so yeah, but it's it's a lot of a, a lot of great nods to the original films. This was just a load of fun, and in all honesty, us talking about it uh, makes me want to watch it again. I, you know, the the conversation we're having doesn't do any justice for for what this was. It was the same as again, Batman: Brave of the Bold meets Scooby Doo. It was it's two universes, and when they did it in the comics, you're like it shouldn't work, and you read it, and you're like this absolutely did. Seeing it play out the way that it did here, um, it was a testament to how much the animators and the story writers and the cast really cared to make these characters work together on screen, and it succeeded incredibly. Uh, and again, a lot of times these animated films are like 75 minutes, 80 minutes. This was a full hour and a half. Uh, they did not waste any time. It, there was no slow points, and every time there was dialogue between these characters – you just had a big, dumb, stupid smile on your face. But again, the moment that you see the party wagon racing alongside the Batmobile, um, you're just kind of like, this is amazing. This is I never thought I'd ever see something like this on screen. And this is just truly just great, dumb love of pop culture. Uh, and, you know, this classic 80s, 90s nostalgia mixed in with one of the most longest running characters from comics of all time. Yeah. Yeah. So. And it's just a, a lot of fun. Yeah. So I don't really think there's anything else we can say uh, towards this other than just watch it. Uh, watch it and keep it away from small children. <laughs> so <laughs> Yes, because there are some moments that it could probably frighten a child. Uh, and I will say this. You know what? One of the things I will say is if you're a parent and you're on the fence, I would really say watch it first because really there's only a couple sequences that really stick out that way. But again, there are some horrific elements to this, uh, especially I would say a a – Fear, fear toxin induced Leonardo seeing some kind of intense imagery that might yeah. not go over too well for kids. Uh, but I would highly recommend watching it because, again, uh, nine or ten probably could be okay with this. Younger than that, stay far away. God, I'm just I'm looking at screenshots of the of the movie, and there's one in particular of Batman shaking hands with Leonardo, and I'm just I'm just looking at the sharpness of the way this scene is drawn and it just, it looks amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Everything about it was, this was, this was my probably absolute favorite DC animated movie. Oh, I told you it, it took the top for me. It's Um, it's so good. Yeah. Under the red hood is still right underneath it, but man, oh man, this was, this was truly just amazing. I really loved this. Yeah. It's, it's, it's real. It's a great film. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, that, that pretty much covers what we were going to be covering this week. I know there's a couple pieces of news out there, so I'll turn it over to you to get them get that to the listeners. All right. Well, we really only have three pieces. Uh, a couple of these are purely rumors right now, but I figured I'd still include them. So, But we'll just knock them out of the way. Uh, so one of the big pieces right now is we know that Superman's kind of been put on the shelf a little bit right now at Warner Brothers. 
Uh, but we do know, again, they have been talking about a Supergirl movie kind of rolling into uh, its play. But it sounds like that is actually definitely going to be the case as it's going to be rolling into early pre-production uh, starting in early 2020. So I'm sure we'll be hearing a lot more of that probably over the next year or two. Uh, but I would say most likely keep your eyes peeled at Comic-Con. I wouldn't be surprised if, if Warner Brothers maybe announces a new slate of flicks. And we'll see maybe confirmation there. So big wait and see. Okay. Uh, jumping over into the wonderful world of Suicide Squad. Uh, we have found out another rumor because right now there has been a lot of discussion on who Idris Elba is potentially playing. And it sounds like a lot of signs are pointing to a one Mr. Ben Turner, a.k.a. the Bronze Tiger. Uh, obviously, we've seen him recently, Michael Jai White um, on Arrow. Um, his portrayed the character for quite some time now, going back to season one. But it sounds like James Gunn is probably aiming in this direction. I think this is a great, great call. Great Ag- agreed. Case. And I think one of our listeners kind of predicted this might be the case. Yeah. But um, good job to whoever that was that that said that. And yeah, I think if not, I I think going away from the dead shot and portraying uh, Bronze Tiger, I think is a great choice. Right. So, yeah, I think that's that's awesome. Again, purely rumor and speculation at this point in time. But. Now is the time that we talk about the big thing. Uh, (laughs) Uh, And I'm going to preface this now. Um, And Ben will be right next to me on on the agreement of this. The information we are about to give you is not meant to piss you off, make you angry, (laughs) jump or jump online and start spewing vitriol and hate, especially on our Facebook page. If you want to do it, you can go to the IGN comment section, the YouTube comment section, Reddit, wherever you want to and feel go nuts. Uh, we would prefer you didn't. <laughs> so, uh, because man, oh man, why is it that any time a Batman is cast, people lose their effing minds? Because um, man, I think this is brilliant. This is such a good cast. Uh, you know what? I'm I'm going to preface this right now. I again, I jokingly said before you even say who it is. I jokingly have said on my own personal Facebook page, and it's been nothing more than a joke. Uh, you know, I, I've said I'm reserving judgment to see how this person is going to do, but if they sparkle once, I'm out. It's purely, <laughs> it's purely a joke, you know, kind of digging a little bit at a franchise he's been a part of. But looking at some of his other works, looking and thinking more and more about this since this announcement was made the other day, I'm not going to lie, I think this has a ton of potential. Yeah. I really do. Well, I let's get into it then, yeah. because Matt Reeves has officially confirmed uh, to be working on the Batman movie trilogy at Warner Brothers. For the longest time, it's just kind of been like, oh, Matt Reeves might be doing this, Matt, Matt Reeves might be doing this, blah, 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 blah. They're trying to get a script that might work. Nobody really believes it until Warner Brothers says so. Warner Brothers has confirmed that he, it, the Batman is coming, and it's not just one movie, but an indeed a trilogy. And then right following that, Matt Reeves made his announcement of who his casting choice is. And that is none other than Robert Pattinson. Uh, so obviously most people recognize him as one of two characters, which is either Edward Cullen from the Twilight franchise or from Cedric Diggory uh, from Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. Now, everybody loses their minds because everybody's like, ah, oh, blah, blah, blah. Twilight's a piece of crap, blah, 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 blah. And I agree. Right. Twilight is crap. But-, but you know what? Robert Pattinson also agrees with that. Yes, so exactly. If- if you're unsure about him, I highly recommend going over to YouTube and look up. Uh, there is a there's a probably a three or three or four minute cut 
uh, during um, just random interviews uh, with Robert Pattinson on uh, the press junket tours for for most of uh, the Twilight franchise of him even being like, wow, Stephanie Meyer does not know what to do in a in, when she writes or I, or oh, he's like, why the hell would my character do this? It doesn't make any sense. And that's or, the, and that's the <laughs> thing. Like, look. We understand you hated the Twilight series. I hated the Twilight series too. But an actor can only work with what they're given. Exactly. You can't hate him because the Twilight series was horrible. He was only working with what he had. Go back and look at some of the other movies he's did. I I, he's done. I mentioned one uh, called Water for Elephants that he's in with Reese Witherspoon. That is a fantastic movie. Um, Our our buddy uh, Paul Williams, The Lighthouse. The Lighthouse. Yeah. Uh, all I gotta say is good time, because man, oh man, if you if you want to say okay, uh, the best way I can put it is watching Good Time is like wa- thinking of Edward Cullen, or sorry, the Twilight character as when Christian Bale was singing and dancing in Newsies, and then you shift Christian Bale <laughs> to uh you know um a, you know American Psycho. This is kind of that shift for Patton's, and you go, oh, I see it now, <laughs> because uh holy crap, <laughs> that movie screwed up and messed up. Um, but I, he is an exceptional actor and I really hope that people will give him an opportunity and a shot because I think he's going to really surprise a lot of people because everybody has to remember one, one character, it does not always define an actor because I think he's been trying to distance himself from this for the longest time. And I think this is going to be the movie that's everybody's going to be like, holy crap, it's not Edward Cullen anymore. He's Batman. Yeah, again, so. like I said, I, I've been putting some thought into this these past couple of days since this announcement was made, and I, I think this has a lot of potential. I really do. Yeah. And I, the more I think about it, the more excited I'm actually, I actually am to see what he can do with this yeah. character. Because I'm I, really, I'm, I'm really, really excited to see what they're going to do with him. I, th- I think one of the one of the biggest struggles that any actor has had when it comes to playing Batman, other than the public criticism, because you're right, anybody, uh, you look at, even as far back as Keaton, everybody was like, you know, like, oh, that person's playing Batman. They did it with Keaton. They did it with. I don't think they did it with Christian Bale as much, uh, but I, th- I know they did it with Affleck, and so. But, you know, I think one of the popular criticisms of anybody who's ever played Batman is that actors have been able to portray Batman, but they have a harder time portraying Bruce. And, you know, Affleck struggled with that a little bit. I think Keaton had it, but even Um, Keaton struggled with it a little bit. There is a specific um, flick I really want to recommend people to search out for Pattinson. Um, The name is slipping me. Give me 30 seconds to pull pull it up here. Uh, Lost City the, of Z. Well, that's just an excellent movie. That's that he's almost unrecognizable in that when you watch him. And there's um, a, and you know, there's another famous there's another famous superhero, relatively new superhero that's in that too. Tom Holland is in that movie too. Tom Holland's in that, um, and then Charlie Hunnam, uh, yeah. who uh, was uh, in Sons of Anarchy. Uh, so yeah, no, he's he's done a great job in a lot of those things. Um, let's see, here we go. Acting credits it starts with an O or, or a C. Oh, um, uh, I know which, uh, Cosmo, Cosmopolitan, Cosmo, uh, Cosmo, Cosmopolis, Cosmopolis, uh, I, can't, uh, I had trouble uh, announcing it, pronouncing yeah, it. Yeah, um, it's, uh, it probably goes back to, like, 20, 2012, like, he did it between the final Twilight movies, but, 
Uh, he's essentially playing a businessman. Uh, he's a billionaire, yeah. He's a billionaire and an asshole. And I'm like, holy crap, there's Bruce Wayne. And so uh, so it, it works incredibly well. So if you really have to figure out how he's going to work, I highly recommend. Seriously, I'm going to give you three films to check out. Cosmopolis is number one if you want to know how he's going to pull off Bruce Wayne. Lost City of Z and I would say The uh, Good Time are the two movies to watch if you're thinking about how his Batman's going to come across. And so, and that kind of and that kind of goes into what I was saying too about, you know, the portrayal of Bruce. And one of the reasons why I'm excited about him portraying Batman is because I think he's going to be one of the first actors to portray Batman who can actually pull off Bruce as well. Right. And just to give you an idea too, there's no way that they would not um they, they, they would cast a person that they think is going to tank a franchise at all. Because just think of it this way. If an actor is not able to land a role or lead things, he wouldn't be working as much as he has. And if you look at uh, his IMD credits post the last two or three years, man, he is a busy, and I mean busy, actor. Um, he's alone for... <laughs> just oh, he has six movies in the works right now. Right. Like, it, that's... That's intense, and that's a lot for anybody. There's three in post-production, two in pre-production, and now the Batman. And then, again, the lighthouse is in the you know convention circuit right now, and it is blowing up. And I mean blowing up. Everybody said it's incredible. I haven't seen High Life yet. I keep hearing great things about that, too, which is uh, he's playing an astronaut in that. But, um, I, yeah, please give him a chance. Absolutely give him a chance. I, I want to I see Lighthouse purely because it's him and Willem Dafoe. Yeah. Like Defoe, so, I love Defoe. So, yeah. And dude, so, I'm looking at the image from the lighthouse, and like he's almost unrecognizable. Yeah. Uh, seriously, look him up real quick when Lost City of Z, and then say, "Oh crap." <laughs> so, <laughs> but yeah. So I mean, again, we preface this conversation the same way as we do anytime there's a, there's casting. Uh, hold judgment until you see. Like I'm looking at some of the comments and for the most part some of the comments when we posted this are okay. Uh but you know like some people are saying like hard eye roll this is going to be tough. Movie will not do well in theaters. Uh, Trav said I can't wait to see the sparkle suit. That's fun. And he even says I'm kidding, settle down. So like it's fun. I, I did the same thing. I poked fun at the Twilight series, but I didn't f poke fun at him. Um saying the movie won't do well in theaters, you don't know that. You, you don't know that until it hits theaters. And I, I generally think this is going to do fantastic. I do, too. Like, I'm again, I'm really looking forward to it. I, I really, really do. And honestly, again, too, regardless of what your viewpoints are in Twilight, uh, something we say on Caffeine Crew Cast to Pause or started saying more is don't yuck somebody else's yum. So uh, <laughs> if you if it's not your thing, it's not your thing. Doesn't mean you have to destroy and, and lessen somebody else's enjoyment of something. Exactly. Uh, uh, because that's what's wrong with pop culture nowadays. <laughs> so uh, just because you have an online voice doesn't mean you have to use it. Exactly. That's really <laughs> what it boils down to. So uh, but the last little piece of news that we can kind of correlate into this before we head out of here. Uh, so this this uh, new series with Batman, uh, apparently there's a lot of rumb rumblings now. Uh, it's, it may very well also include Robin and additional Bat family characters as well. So. Uh, really excited. We talked last week. Said there's high rumblings right now that Catwoman, Penguin, and Riddler are uh, are involved in in these films coming. So big wait and see. So I I can't wait to hear more. Um, San Diego Comic Con. I'm sure we're going to see uh, Pattinson on stage for the first time, and hopefully we'll see Matt Reeves alongside with him. I saw a um, a fan image 
of a oh, of, a, this too. of yeah. a possible casting for Riddler. Uh, and all I have to say is, yes, please. Uh, David Tennant as Riddler would be yeah. phenomenal. That'd be amazing. Like him, Josh Gad, and then you you get somebody to play Catwoman. That's that's well alone. And I think there's been some rumblings of fan casting for Catwoman um, too. And oh I can't God, remember. there was actually a, a, a legit one that was. Ah. And I can't remember it. I know there's been it, and I can't remember. And it was a big name, too, and it's going to drive me nuts. And I was like, holy crap, I'm all in for that. Um, but I can't remember who it was. Oh, um, Vanessa Hudgens? Uh, no, it was not Vanessa Hudgens. It, it was... Because um... I know that oh. was um, that was one, too. That was a fan cast, but I can't remember. Oh, It's going to drive me nuts now. Vamp for a second. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, again, I mean, you know, like I said, Josh Gad is one they've been talking about for a while. So if Josh, I would love to see that alone would sell me on this. Home, is Josh Gad as as Catwoman? Um, or it's Cat Josh Josh Gad as Catwoman? No, I would watch that too. That would be interesting. No, Josh Gad as Penguin. I I don't think David Tennant would would portray Riddler, but if they got him to do it, that would be amazing. Yeah. Um, you know, I know Vanessa Hutchins is one of the big ones, but there was another name that it's that's that's slipping through my brain and I can't find it offhand. But oh, well, uh, again, we'll find out. We'll find out more soon. OK. Um, I guess recommendations, cheap plugs and we can get out. Yeah. Just watch the things we talked about this week. Well, uh, I actually <laughs> I, I actually have a couple other recommendations. This oh, week. sure. Go ahead. Go. Uh, I, I, I do agree. Uh, you know, Batman versus Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and uh, the pilot episode of Swamp Thing are for sure, definite watches. Check them both out. Uh, I have two others this week. And I'm excited. We mentioned Paul a lot this episode. And I'm excited to hear his reaction to this. If you have an opportunity, it's opening weekend. Well, it, opening weekend will be over by the time you're listening to this. But uh, Godzilla, King of the Monsters, was fucking phenomenal. If Especially if you are a fan of the original Japanese films. There are so many nods to the original Japanese films. I went and saw it with a friend, with a mutual friend of ours, uh, our, our buddy Chris, who is a f- diehard devoted fan of those originals. And dude, he loved this movie. Um, it's a lot of fun. I know a popular criticism right now is there's not enough human element to it. It's monsters attacking each other. Who gives a shit about the humans? Like, I, that's not why I went into this movie, and I absolutely loved it. Uh, so, But on top of that, there's another television series that's out right now that I plan to watch. I actually plan to start today, speaking of David Tennant, uh, that I've heard nothing but rave reviews about, and that is an uh, Amazon Prime series called Good Omens. Yes. I great, have Great book. I have watched episode one. It is wonderful, and I will probably be watching more all throughout the week. Yeah. I, I, it's only six episodes. The first season was released all at once. Uh, I don't well, know if there will be a second season. I, I think from what I understand, uh, it was just oddly billed because apparently the six episodes are the entirety of the book because, well, it's not that long of a book. Yeah. So this is probably a one and done. That's what I, that's what I'm thinking too. Is I'm thinking it's probably just going to be this first season. Uh, you know, it was one of those things that uh, you know it was a book written by Neil Gaiman and um, Terry, Terry Terry Pratchett. Terry Pratchett from uh, Terry Pratchett, the creator of Discworld. Yes, so. um, and you know it was actually a promise uh, that to, that Neil Gaiman made to Terry Pratchett that you know when Terry Pratchett's uh, health started to deteriorate uh, that they would eventually make this into a series. Unfortunately, Terry didn't make it to see it happen, but you know, Neil fulfilled his promise to turn this into a series. Uh, I've watched multiple interviews. I like um, 
Michael Sheen and David Tennant were both on um, the Graham Norton show this past weekend that I watched, and everybody had so much fun making it. They're all super proud of this, and I, I plan to start it probably today. And knowing me, I'll probably finish it today. Uh, and one of the coolest things, too, is at the premiere. Um, I right love that now, they did this. They, yeah. they put Terry's uh, scarf and his hat in the front row seat. And a bag of popcorn. And a bag, bag of popcorn, which I'm like, that is fantastic. And Terry Pratchett's just a brilliant, brilliant writer. Uh, or, or was a brilliant writer. Um, and was right up there, right next to Douglas Adams, is one of the sharpest wits in writing uh, for humor. And... Uh, this is all over this. It's beautifully done. Yeah. I mean, in addition to David Tennant and Michael Sheen, you've got Miranda Richardson, who people know from the Harry Potter series. John Hamm is in this series, which I love. I'm a big uh, Hamm fan. Uh, Michael McKean, who you know from, like, uh, Spinal Tap. Or this is Spinal Tap. And so it's got a great cast. Uh, it, Nick Offerman is in this, too. Oh, Offerman's in this, too? Yeah. Oh, that's fun. I can't wait. I, I watch. I'm going to watch it. I, I already know I'm going to love it. So that's why I'm making it a recommendation for this week. Yeah. Uh, like I said, said you know again this is a book so i will say uh it's one of the things you have to stick with you, you know the first episode while you'll bike this is really fun and goofy and silly uh it may not be like must watch next episode now but i will say it is quite brilliant but make sure to stay with it because it is uh it is worth it it is very worth it i own the book and i haven't read the book yet i i'm almost wondering if i should put off watching the series before reading the book but i think i'm just going to read the book after i watch the series uh, so far, I can tell you it's from everything I've seen so far. Uh, I, I, it's it's spot on. The only thing I know from a couple other friends that are big fans of the book is I think uh, how they handle the inclusions of pollution and death uh, as far as their introductions feel a little off. OK, uh, but which there are two of the four horsemen of the apocalypse. Uh, but beyond that, everybody else was saying really there was no gripes beyond that from anybody else. I've talked to that's watched the, the entirety of it. So. Uh, that's a glowing recommendation because I know for a lot of friends that is one of their favorite books of all time. So really cool to see. Yeah, I, I'm looking forward to to watching it as well. So again, that's why I I made it my rec one of my recommendations for this week. Awesome. Uh, uh, I will I will just share share that with you completely. Okay. So all right. I'm cool. Good. Uh, so, uh, other than that, we'll knock out a couple cheap plugs and we can get out of here. I know we said it would be, it never fails. Uh, we're at an hour and eight, which is, is fine. That's not bad. No, it, it's, it's still, still relatively short. It's short so. compared to some of our, compared to last week, which was like two hours and seven minutes. Uh, but yeah, so cheap plugs, uh, as always, you can catch this podcast as well as all other podcasts on the next level podcast network, the next level network.com facebook.com slash the next level network. Uh, and of course the Facebook page for this podcast, facebook.com slash DC primetime. I want to throw in one more, uh, that I don't usually plug, but it's a cheap plug for myself this time. The logos for the con I am developing are now complete and are posted the facebook page for the con has also been updated so if you don't mind uh for my sake we're trying to build the social awareness and the social presence of the con before it launches next year uh so if you don't mind go to facebook.com slash the phenomicon and while well, post a link to that on our facebook page as well uh and give it a like because there you can keep up with updates and everything else very cool uh, as for me, you can always find me over at uh, next level ne the nextlevelnetwork.com through the Caffeine Crew cast of pods. Our last episode that was posted was a couple weeks ago, which was Extinct geek uh, Geekdoms and Fads. Uh, make sure to go over check that out. Our next episode will probably be the next week or two. Uh, we'll be uh, talking about body positivity in geekdom, uh, which is going to be a, a big episode. So 
Uh, I know that's one of our, our big heavy topics we wanted to talk about this year. So really looking forward to diving into that. Uh, but also a good special thanks to a good friend, George Shaw at georgeshawmusic.com. Make sure to head over to his website. Uh, check out his SoundCloud page uh, and all the other fun projects he's working on. Show him your love and support. You hear his music each and every week on this podcast. Yes, and this will actually be the last time in a couple of weeks you're going to hear his music because mm-hmm. next week we start our annuals. Uh, and I think we're going to kick it off with our Supergirl annual. Which uh, means we're shifting over to our friend Intense's music. So, yep. Uh, yeah, so looking forward to that. Yep, yeah, as well. So, uh, we're going to, I'll post some feedback posts, uh, for some feedback posts on Facebook about uh, Supergirl season four. Uh, so we can get your opinions on some of the stuff that we'll talk about, like our favorite episodes, least favorite episodes, uh, favorite and least favorite characters, moments, and, and things like that. So look forward to that and our annuals uh, over the course of the next couple weeks, starting next week. But uh, until then, thank you as always for being a part of the DC Primetime family, for liking, sharing, commenting, subscribing, all the things that you do. But until next time, we'll see you guys around the bend. Take care. Peace. Peace.